Welcome to the Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. Today, we're smack dab in the middle of the country. We are with Don Lafoon, who is president and CEO of Electrical Corporation of America, headquartered in Raytown, Missouri. Now, in addition to running the company, Don is also the governor for NECA's Kansas City chapter. So he has a lot of different kinds of leadership experience, and that's what we want to explore this morning. So thank you so much, Don, for joining us. We're really glad to have you here. Listen, ECA promotes itself as the company that keeps your lights on. That's that's a great kind of tagline. And you also talk about yourselves in terms of the complexity of the company's electrical projects. Can you explain to our audience why you, in your materials, over and over again, continually reference the complexity? Well, I think we're a unique contractor in the fact that All of our project manager estimators came from the field. They all worked as electricians, including myself. The type of work we do is more, I'm not going to say design build, but uh, the conveyor work, we work for many manufacturing companies, Ford, General Motors, Amazon. And a lot of the work we do is by design and by the knowledge that we have as far as doing the work. So that keeps us competitive as far as bidding the work. It's not a plan and spec type work that we do. So that's why we say that the complexity is what drives us. Every customer wants to know that they're safe with the company they choose. ECA talks about building with integrity. What does that mean to you as the head of the company? And how do you make sure that your team is following that mandate to build with integrity? Well, one of the things uh, that we've done probably 10 years As we became a captive, we bought into a captive for our insurance. And my sell on that with our employees that we take safety as important. And basically in a captive, you are the owner of the insurance company. We made the investment based off our experience in safety and our knowledge in safety. And uh, the customers, when we talk to them about it, they totally understand that. So we made an investment to be the owner in our captive insurance. Our mod rate right now is at at 6.8, which is 0.68, which is phenomenal in the electrical industry. So very proud of that. Uh, We have yearly foreman superintendent meetings here in Kansas City where we sit down with everybody and go over the path of the company, the future of the company, safety, of course, our customers. We are probably as close to a family company as you can get for being the size we are. You have a specific program that you refer to as your safety and health program. Is that well accepted by both the in the field and in the in the office employees? And what do you as a leader do if somebody is balking about something? Take masks. I don't know what your policy is about when and where people have to wear masks during the pandemic, but that's part of health and safety. So how do you handle those kinds of things that can come up? and become detrimental to your forward motion. It's funny you say that. That that has been a huge challenge for us over the last year and a half. And 
right now, as a company, we follow the CDC mandates and guidelines. And but each customer we work for has their own guidelines, which we follow if it is more stringent than ours. Everyone, we really haven't had any issues. Of course, everyone's juggled on how to handle different things and every area of the country we work in is different. So we're always on call on how to work with that. But really, we haven't had any issues as far as that. Now, in addition to leading your company, you also serve as governor for the Kansas City chapter of NECA. What do you expect from yourself in terms of the way you bring your leadership capabilities and styles to the two different positions? One is I'm in charge. I'm running the company. The other one is more of, I would imagine, a cooperative venture in leading the chapter. How do you describe it and handle it? That's a little unique. I came up, I've been with ECA for 42 years. I started the day out of high school. I went through the apprenticeship. I was an electrician. I was a superintendent, worked out of town all over the country for several years before I came in the office. That background on of myself, working in within NECA and the IBW here locally, I've earned a lot of respect because I've kind of sat on both sides of the table. So when we're in negotiations, I feel that the uh, IBW listens and the contractors that you know I serve for in Kansas City listen. They understand that I've been there and it's all a respect, I think, working with IBW and, and Nika. Do you find that the members of your chapter are interested in the work that Electric International is doing? Do they pay attention to it? Do they want to use the results of the research? Do you yourself and your own company find what Electric is producing to be useful and helpful in your leadership role with ECA? Yes, I think it's very important. I mean, we've had, of course, you know, prefab has been the uh, hot topic here for the last couple of years. We discussed that at different meetings and, and uh, you know, I explained to the contractors that we've done studies on that. They've gravitated to that. And here within the company, we union versus non-union is always a, a good study to, to review every now and then. Of course, we have a huge prefab facility here. And yeah, I touch base with all the studies we do with our people in the office and, and encourage them to look at them. Are there certain trends now that you see coming in the electrical construction industry that you would say, boy, we really, really, really need to be on top of that. And I hope Electri is planning to take a close look at how would you fill in that blank? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Years ago when we first and I know every contractor, I'm speaking for them, but years ago, our biggest risk in this industry was labor. You know, labor was you know, that when you bid a job, that's where your risk was. Today, not only are is labor a huge risk, but the commodities are a huge risk right now. We bid these jobs with deadlines. We've got all kinds of wire shortages, commodity shortages, and now dealing with the pandemic. To put in a project or complete a project today, you know, it's it's very complicated compared to it was 15 years ago. So being able to adjust to that in today's world is is huge. Do you find the general contractors and the architects and the owners more willing to listen to what's happening in terms of labor and health and shortages and all that? Or or do they still not care? Well, you know, it's funny. I think I think they care. 
but I think their job and, and they know they're going through the same things we are. I mean, we're not the only ones going through this. Every craft, every trade is in the same position. Their job is to get the job complete. And so, you know, they, they understand, but they still, you know, they're, they got to do their job also. So they're worried or upset about a schedule or anything. They know it's, it's a work in progress. When you told us about your background in history, obviously it's a very long relationship with the one company. What do you think is happening in the workforce today? In the Kansas City market specifically, are you having difficulty finding quality workers for both in the field and in the office? And then once you get them, what's your best advice about how to keep them so that they don't get stolen and move on elsewhere? What what do you do to retain a good workforce once you've got them in-house? You know, that, that that's funny you should ask that. We've been talking about that, number one. Actually, Kansas City over the last three or four years has been relatively flat. I mean, we haven't had a huge spike of work here. But what we're finding out is all of our labor available through our local union here is working elsewhere because there's work everywhere else. So they're working out of town, working overtime, everything else. So our struggles of getting work here in Kansas City has been that the labor that is usually here is not here. Every area is different. Our job's going to be at overtime to retract and, you know, retain people or do you do incentives? It's just every situation that we run into, we have to look at it a little different. The working conditions are a big thing. We sit there and we look at, you know, in some areas we've looked at signing bonuses or retention bonuses just to try to keep people. And it's different on every, almost every site. Do you see a role for Electric International in terms of helping to create programs or projects that contractors might be able to use themselves to encourage new talent into their companies? Or is that something that's so localized that it's not something you think Electric should be doing? Yeah, you know, the one thing you want to do is, of course, we have collective bargaining agreements and you want to maintain those agreements. And, you know, I hate to get into the position where the contractor is going over and above that just to retain help. Uh, you know, organizing has been a huge thing. That's always a work in progress trying to get that off the ground. But we're looking at hiring bonuses and signing bonuses and uh, retention bonuses organ- in an organizing world, trying to get people to become union members. So that's something we're doing here in Kansas City, which I'm anxious to see how that works. It's a slippery slope. It's you're trying to get more help, more help, more help. And, and you do get resistance from the union, local union about bringing more people in. It's, it's a continual battle. Some areas that have had that have organized for years and years, they totally get it. And that's not a problem. But here in the Midwest, that's we're getting there, but we're not where we need to be. Now, you're talking mostly about workers who are connected with IBEW. What about your estimators and people that are in-house, your marketing, communication, all of those? Is there a a reason why Electri should have a role in trying to help convince college students that the whole electrical construction industry is a place that they should be looking for lifetime careers? You know, I, I do agree with that. I think we try to match benefits and things that are attractive. And, and again, back to where I was at earlier, probably 90% of my estimator project managers came from the field. So my retention with them is 
zero. I mean, I, I have no problem keeping them. We have a great retirement package here in the office. It helps retain our employees. We've probably got three engineers on staff. Haven't had any turnover with that. So personally, as a company, we have not had that issue. Do you think that the new infrastructure bill and the funding that will come out from that, will they have an impact on the way that you prepare your firm to take on new projects? Are you going to have to focus on that and say, okay, we want that much of that part of the pie? Sure. There's there's a lot of areas within that bill that pertain to us. And, and of course, they're, they're attractive to us. And that's something we're definitely going to look at. When you think back about your career and longstanding with this one company, what would you tell me and tell our audience is the best advice that you ever received that helped you to be the leader that you are today? The biggest thing I've ever heard, and I do to this point, is get buy-in with my people. I go to my uh, employees, I'd go to the NECA convention and come back and they'd just be like, oh God, there he went again. You know, he's got all these new ideas. But I think the biggest, the thing that has helped me the most is getting buy-in, talking about it, and actually get them excited about it. And you know what direction you want to go, but getting them involved from the beginning, getting the buy-in. Once you get the buy-in, it makes it a lot easier than just demanding that this is the way we're going to do something. Now, there are instances you have to do that, but for the most part, I really work on buy-in with all the employees. You mentioned that for the past several years, the work in your area has been fairly flat. Do you anticipate, obviously you hope for, but do you anticipate that things are improving as we move forward? Oh, it's definitely improving. This year is really starting to turn the corner. Uh, there's a lot of new things on the streets right now that are happening. So no, Kansas City is going to be well off for six or seven years going forward. Excellent. Is there any advice that you'd like to offer to our audience about lessons learned that maybe a smaller contractor might say, oh, you know, he's running a big company. What has he got to tell me? I don't I don't have the same kinds of problems. So are there certain aspects of leadership that are applicable no matter how small a contractor you are or how large a contractor you are? You know what I do at a lot of our NECA meetings? Of course, I run the board meeting. And occasionally, if you know we have a short meeting or anything, I'll go around the table and say, you know, don't get into the specifics, but talk about a problem you've had and how you dealt with it. So every contractor's kind of done that. Everyone, it's a, you know, whether it's daily, weekly, it's everyone has the same problems, whether they're labor-related, workman's comp related. So I, I tried to uh, to do that, put that out on the table and have a discussion about it. Is there anything, any topic that I have not brought up that you want to say to the audience? You know, I've been thinking about this and I want to share it with you. Is there anything specific that you'd like to add to our conversation this morning? Well, I, there's two things, you know, back to the captive insurance when we bought into that the company as a whole is really interested in that. For those that don't know, when you buy traditional insurance today, I call it the difference between renting and owning. When you're in a captive, you're one of the owners of the insurance company. If the whole captive, there's 40 people in there, if all of them do good, we get money back every year. I tell our people that. I said, I don't do that to put that in my pocket. I do that to be more competitive bidding work. That resonates with them, you know, because they understand that we want to get work. And, you know, it, 
I didn't want them to think that that's just a, a bonus for us. That has really gone very well for us. Back to the foreman's meetings. I mean, I sat down, we do a two-day event, we do a trade show so the guys can see all the new tools and things. And we sit there and talk about the company and, and, and I always bring someone in there from a personal side to attract to the people. You know, I don't want the meeting to be all about ECA and the employees. I usually bring investment people in to talk about investments. I bring, you know, guys talking about uh, retirement things. And so I always try to do something personal for the people. And, and they understand that and they, it makes them feel that we care. To me, that's been our biggest, probably one of the biggest things that I've enjoyed doing in this. Don, what I've learned this morning from you including some information about the captive program, which is very interesting and something not in my wheelhouse, is that the biggest thing I think that you would share with our audience is the importance of getting your employees at every level to buy in to the company, to make sure you're listening to them and to make sure that every time you have the opportunity, you're showing them that the company as a whole does care what they do, what they accomplish and how to keep them safe. Yes, that is exactly right. And and in those meetings, I invite the business manager of IBW to come to them. Also, I didn't talk about this, but I do apprentice meetings the same way. Because I feel apprentices hear what they hear at school and what they hear on the job site, but they have no idea what a contractor does. So I bring all the apprentices in and I go through the uh, bonding, banking, estimating, cost of tools, things like that. So it gives gives them a, an understanding of what it takes to to be a contractor. Don, thank you so much for sharing your understanding of the industry with us. And for our audience, whether you are watching this as a video or whether you're listening to it on a podcast as you're driving to and from a job site, we hope you've learned something. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you'll take time to listen to all of the interviews on Think Like a Leader, because the only way to become a true leader is to listen to what others have accomplished and emanate what they have done. So thank you for joining us. And thank you very much, Don LaFoon. We appreciate your time and your candor. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening.